Okay, well, hello everyone. Uh, this is Travis Vance with Fisher and Phillips Charlotte office. I hope you're doing well. Uh, today we have the, the honor of having two distinguished guests um, from our COVID-19 task force, um, Ben Ebick from the Sacramento office. And we also have Hannah Swice from Woodland Hills. They're gonna to talk to you about some of the, the updates, new statutes, new regulations out in California. I know that's been keeping everyone busy. Um, so with that, I wanna turn it over to Ben um, and Ben, what um, can you tell the, the the listeners a little bit about your experience during the pandemic? Um, you know how much work you've been doing, which is a lot, and, and sort of the highlights of what you've been seeing, the questions from employers you've been getting. Yeah, so it's it's been an interesting year for sure. Um, I would say that you know the advice questions we've been getting have changed as the crisis has been changing. Uh, you know, right at the beginning, we got a lot of questions about international travel and having employees who are traveling internationally. Um, and what implications that had. And then when things started to shut down, that turned into a whole series of questions about, um, you know, what our obligations are. Um, my focus tends to be on legislation. That's where I, where I focus my practice area. So legislation introduced at the federal, state, and local level. Um, and we've seen quite a bit around COVID this year. Um, it's been a little different because, you know, in most years we see legislation passed. We have a little bit of lead time. Uh, for employers to come up to speed, and we often get guidance and, and implementing regulations from the, the entities. So we have a little bit of time to figure things out before um, new legislative requirements go into effect. Um, COVID completely threw that out the window. I mean, we just saw the federal law, the Families First right. Coronavirus Response Act, passed in a matter of days um, and was effective before we had any guidance or regulation from the Department of Labor. Um, similar with uh, the, the Cal OSHA regulation that we're going to talk about today. This thing went into effect um, extremely uh, on a quick time frame um, before we had any guidance um, from Cal OSHA. So that creates some interesting challenges uh, for uh, our clients uh, and us as attorneys trying to advise on how you implement a law when we've got no direction or guidance uh, from the agency. So I think the COVID situation has definitely brought a different dynamic. We're seeing legislation like this passed and go into effect immediately um, and employers left trying to figure out what this means uh, on a going forward basis. So it's been a unique experience. That's for sure. And now Cal OSHA, you mentioned Cal OSHA's regulation. Cal OSHA has adopted a, a emergency regulation, emergency temporary standard, whatever you might call it on COVID-19. Um, and that's, that's very important for a lot of employers, not just for the reason you stated that it immediately went into effect essentially. Um, but there's a lot of different requirements that have to be take have to take place immediately. So, what would be the number one takeaway? You know, can you give us a thumbnail sketch of that new Cal OSHA regulation on COVID nineteen? Sure. So overall, I would say you know about eighty percent of the Cal OSHA regulation I think is is not a a big deal for most employers. Most employers who have been pretty conscientious about following CDC guidelines, other Cal OSHA general guidance they put out, I think are mostly in compliance with what's in this new regulation. But there are some new, uh, pretty significant requirements. I think the overall, number one, is having a written COVID prevention plan. Um, that's top of line uh, under this regulation. That's a real easy uh, issue for OSHA to cite. Even pre-COVID, the number one Cal OSHA citation was not having an injury illness prevention program. So uh, the regulation says you got to have a very specific COVID-19 prevention program with detailed elements. So that's number one. Um, the other big issue I think are all the very prescriptive and, and specific rules about um, 
having to exclude employees, both who have COVID or who have been exposed to COVID. There's very specific rules around that. There's very specific rules about when you can bring people back um, and under what circumstances. And most of all, uh, there's a provision that requires employers to continue earnings of employees who have been excluded. Um, and that's a really significant obligation, requires essentially the employer to continue paying the employee uh, while they're excluded from the work site, either as a COVID case or as a, as a COVID exposure. Okay. And just a, just a couple of questions. You mentioned the prevention plan. Now, is that um, in addition to the injury and illness prevention plan that you're, you're ordinarily required to keep as well in California? Yes, it is an addition. Um, it can be part of your injury illness prevention program, or it can be an addendum or a standalone document. Uh, but this is an addition to, to an employer's normal IIPP. And as far as the pay goes, is there a time limitation on how long you need to pay the employees that are quarantined? Or let's say that an employee is quarantined uh, several times because of exposure to COVID. Is there a limitation on how much you have to pay them? Unfortunately, there's not, and that's probably the most significant aspect of this continued earnings requirement. Um, we've seen lots of laws at the federal level, state level, and local level requiring some type of paid time off, paid sick leave for COVID reasons. Generally, those have an hours cap, um, you know, 80 hours, two weeks of, of paid sick leave for COVID reasons, um, and none of that is in the Kalisha regulation. It just says continued earnings. There's no maximum hours cap. There's no limitation on how many times. So. Theoretically, under this regulation, you could have an employee who's exposed uh, and they're sent home for a quarantine period and the employer's obligated to, to continue their earnings. They may come back to work for a couple of weeks and there might be another exposure. Uh, and that same employee is sent home again uh, and that continued earnings obligation uh, continues to apply in that situation as well. So no, there's no upper limit on the number of hours. There's no limit on the number of times uh, that that requirement can kick in. So that's really a significant aspect of this regulation. And with respect to the regulation, Ben, is there a sunset provision as to when it will end? Is it been adopted as a, as a temporary standard or as a more permanent standard? It's only a temporary emergency standard right now, which generally has a 180-day uh, shelf life. Uh, Calosha can extend that a couple of times uh, by 90-day increments. Um, so it is temporary, although Calosha is going to be convening an advisory committee um, working towards turning this into a permanent uh, regulation. Uh, so I anticipate that's what's going to occur in the next few months. They're going to work, look at, um, you know, turning this emergency standard into a permanent rule and whether they need to make any changes between the emergency standard and what they ultimately put in the permanent rule. But I do anticipate this will be made into a permanent rule in the coming months. Okay. Thank you, Ben. That's very helpful. I want to switch over to Hannah Swice from our Woodland Hills office. And Hannah, um, the Cal OSHA regulations, my understanding, has a lot of notification requirements when you have a confirmed case or multiple confirmed cases at the work site. Could you walk us through what employers need to know um, as sort of the, the peculiar requirements with respect to notice that, that are included in the regulation? Yeah, thank you, Travis. So, yeah, so what's interesting is Cal OSHA's regulation, which, you know, became effective November 30th, really, you know, fast forwarded some of the notification we were anticipating AB 685. Um, and so some of those, you know, notification requirements are specific to when there is a COVID-19 case. Um, and a COVID-19 case has a very specific definition under Cal OSHA's regulation. Um, and that is a positive COVID-19 test. Um, someone that has a positive COVID-19 test. Someone that is 
subject to an order um, or someone that has died. So when an employer has notice of any of those three things, they must provide notice to their employees and also notice to third parties. And so this has been kind of one of the points that is different than AB 685 because employers now have to provide notice to all third parties who were on the premises during this infectious period um, of one of those three definitions of a COVID-19 case. So that really changes a lot of things for employers um, in that regard. Okay, great, Hannah. Well, we really appreciate it. And, um, and with that, we will we'll conclude today's uh, presentation. And we hope to talk to you guys soon and hope everybody's staying uh, safe and healthy. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.